Blog Talk Radio. Blogtalkradio.com. I'm Michael Gardner, and joined with me always the creator of Beeflow360.com. Where is Dr. Pepper shirt today? You know, Tori is Ben Florence. Ben, how has your week been? Uh, it's been going pretty well. Last week's classes. Uh, I mean, how am I? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've I mean, been how, how's your week? It's been, it's been all right. It's been good. It's actually uh, one of our uh, getting close to the holidays. Got to throw out and say who is uh, your special person? You've always fantasized of kissing under the mistletoe to keep with the Christmas theme. I'm not answering that question. Not not on the air. Uh, okay. All right, once again, this is uh, Fanatic Radio. I'm Al Gardner, Ben Florence. BlogTalkRadio.com, sponsored by Odwalla, and the Radio Program of Procter & Gamble. Visit the Radio Facebook uh, page online, and check out the podcast on iTunes. But a uh, huge week in sports. We've been uh, This is our first week back since our Thanksgiving episode. Yes. As both of us were tied up with uh, work and or family related things is uh, what you had last week? Yeah, I had some, uh, I had a friend coming in out of town. I showed him to school. How was that? It was pretty good. Is he yeah. interested in, is he excited to come to AU? Yeah, I think he is. What's he going to major in? Uh, I think international relations. Yeah, classic choice. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll get things rolling with the uh, National Football League. Huge week in uh, the NFL. Uh, one, one of the, uh, I guess, Somber notes of the week has been uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and um, uh, they're surprised. They're, I'm glad they actually came out and got the win against the uh, Carolina Panthers. But apparently now things with uh, with guns and everything in the NFL has been a hot topic for this week. Uh, Flo, your overall thoughts on that? Um, well, it's just you know it's really sad, but and I think that when they people have announced that um, when they're saying people would either pay memoriam the football player, but really you should be paying more memoriam to the woman that he killed, because he is a murderer, and he did deprive a woman, uh, his daughter, did deprive the daughter out of two parents by killing the mother, and then killing himself. So he's not a victim. There's only one victim, and that's the wife. Or the girlfriend, I should say. Right, and are you surprised uh, Kansas City came out and got the win, despite the uh, season they've been having this year with... Uh an inconsistent defense, an inconsistent, unreliable quarterback, and this getting an impressive win over against, some could say, a pretty tired Carolina team who had just played Monday Night Football mm-hmm. the week before. Yeah, I think they came, certainly came with a little emotion. Um, and Carolina's not a great team anyway, so if you're going to pull out a one like that, it'd be against a team like Carolina, where they certainly didn't play great themselves. Um but, yeah, they did seem to come play inspired. Brady Quinn was unbelievable. Uh, Jamal Charles is very good, as always. And they got a much-needed win, which is, even before I could have seen them winning that game. Did you pick them when you picked them to win? I did not. Ah. I, I did not. All right, we'll stay with the uh, – I'm glad they got the win. Uh, it's, it's always a you know tense moment. 
Uh, especially for me having a sort of family ties to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I guess I, one of the reasons why they won, I could say, is because uh, my very own Steve Gardner was in attendance at that game. Uh, good luck charm from uh, go. down south. We'll stay with the uh, AFC West. As the Denver Broncos pulled it out, got the spread, so Tyler Tomatoes was a very happy man last night. Uh, the first time they've won, I believe it was eight games since when John Elway led them to the Super Bowl in 1998. You mean you won eight games in a season? I think so. No. No, wait, how many wins do they have? They have, I believe they're 10 and 3. Was it the first time in 10 wins then? Yeah, it must be 10 wins. Well, 10 wins, though. Even okay. then, I'm not even, I don't even know about that, but. We'll get our. Uh, stat people on that, but uh, are you surprised the Broncos are playing well as of late, granted that they did clinch the division last week? Uh, I am not, because Oakland, A, Oakland's awful. Um, B, I think that they had a little bit of a rough start. They started, I believe they were 3-3, three and three or maybe even 2-3, and three, and they've had a very long winning streak. They're putting it together. Peyton Manning's been looking awesome. And I really felt that once they got Peyton Manning rolling that this was going to be a very dangerous team, and it's certainly looking like that. You can maybe even get certain to potentially be a favorite in the playoffs. Potentially. Could they, uh, they wouldn't have home field advantage, would they? They would not. Well, they would need some help from they would need Houston to lose a few games on stretch. Yeah, but are you surprised the way uh, Peyton Manning's been playing this year? You know, honestly, the- no, because I thought it would be would be trying for, a, by the way, the last time Denver won 10 games or more was when they went 13-3 in 2005. But, uh, That's Jake Lennon, Jake Plummer was quarterback. Yep. Yes. Jake the Snake. All right, but anyways, um, yeah, I I really haven't, I, I wasn't certain if he would be like what he was before he got hurt, but he still has been tremendous because, you know, he had his neck surgery. He's tremendous. Um, but really, I mean, even with the injury, should we really be surprised at Peyton Manning playing tremendous football, you know? Well, he leads the team, at least the league, in a quarterback rating. He does, actually. And um, in good company with uh, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, and RG3, who we'll get to later in the show. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, he's really put it together. I mean, he's made some mistakes. He had a bad throw last night. They got picked off. But, overall, he's been he's been great. And Denver's got everything and possibly more out they wanted out of him. I'm very surprised. But I thought the defense has been playing, too. You guys with Elvis Durenville and Vaughn Miller. Uh, pretty questionable secondary considering Champ Bailey is sort of in the twilight of his career. A lot of new guys coming in. Glad Denver's doing well. But uh, staying in the uh, AFC, the New, uh, New Jersey Jets. New York Jets. They're in New Jersey, in the Meadowlands. Yeah. Uh, you were very excited with uh, when Greg McElroy came and won the game for them. Yeah, I just thought it was. I just thought it was going to be humorous no matter what happened. Either he's going to be really bad or... And I, me and a friend of mine we were talking about, he's probably going to end up playing decent and the team is going to be inspired because, I mean, let's face it, Mark Sanchez is garbage. And so he came in. He looked pretty good. The team moved evolved very well with him. And they ended up winning the game against a pretty awful Carlos team. And I see you're pulling up uh, AFC East blog. I, I don't think that Sanchez should be starting because, after all, he was awful last week. And Malcor actually played pretty well. So I don't get why people are thinking that you should still stick with Sanchez. Your priority should be to win games. Quarterback, your main quarterback sucks. 
and it's been awful. I mean, and it doesn't matter how much money he's getting paid, you know. You got to do what you can to win. Well, that's weird. Why are they not giving Tebow a chance then? Um, I don't know. I guess you could say, who knows? I mean, he was injured last week, so that's why I didn't play. But, um, you know, maybe give Tebow a chance. Who knows? I mean, because Sanchez does fans. Sanchez is awful. And I know Jets fans like to say, yeah, well, he doesn't have any help either. Yeah, well, this accuracy, like, you take away his, his accurate percentage. Balls get, whether they're on target, take, takes out drops, takes out batted balls, throwaways, spikes. It's 29th in the league at 66%. And that's really, wait, yeah, yeah. So only 66% of his passes are on target. And the, the thing is, he makes mistakes not with, like, throwing the ball down. He'll make mistakes, like, throwing, like, dump-offs. Like, he'll overthrow a guy and he'll get picked off. Oh, yeah, uh, ran to his own lineman is what I heard from uh, Yeah, Thanksgiving, that was, that was just a disaster. And he, I believe I saw a video he got flinched out by a cornerback when he was in the Wildcat formation. Yeah, but that was way earlier in the year. Exactly. But, you know, you think, why does Rex Ryan still believe this guy can do it, despite the – apparently the Jets are doing really bad, as, as I found out last night. Yeah, they've been pretty inconsistent all year. I mean, they've won – They've won four games, and then they come back the next week and get the crap beat out of them. So, I don't know what's going on. You know, one team that is uh, doing bad is the Philadelphia Eagles, which play in the same division as the Redskins. Yes. The team that picked up a huge win Monday, on Monday night against the Giants. And you were saying last night in the sports center that they could possibly be a team to make the playoffs. So, you, uh, do you have the whole um, fever and buzz of the uh, Redskins? I do. I think that they had a tough losing streak, lost three in a row, and since then they've won three in a row. They're playing really well. Griff, Robert Griffin III's been tremendous, and he's not even running the ball that much. He's only had like 180 yards rushing in the last three games. He's doing it through the air, and they could, I could see them winning out, winning four games out. They have the tiebreaker with the Giants if they tie, and as of right now, I think they're going to go three and one the rest of the way. The Giants will go two and two, and that'll have the tiebreaker for Washington. So both teams play Baltimore, which could pose a threat. Is that the one loss you could see the Redskins getting? Um, I actually haven't beaten Baltimore because I'm not sold on Baltimore right now. I do think they'll lose the uh, the last game against Dallas, but because uh, I think Dallas will be inconsistent as they always are. So, they could lose. That would be in uh, Washington, though. Yeah. Knowing yeah. knowing Dallas. Yeah. But what was the, what was the other quote you said last night in a uh, sports zone? Who's the guy that said RG3 is the most powerful person in... No, he said he's the best leader in Washington. That was a Florida center Marco Rubio. I don't know why you love this line so much. I think it's hilarious. That was hilarious. It's just a line. I don't know. Uh, it's just funny where you, where you get all your uh, sources and quotes like that. Interesting tidbits to bring to this show. All right. Do you stand by him? Do you think he's the best leader in... Uh... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to talk... I'm not going to answer that. I'd I don't say you're a big, you're big politics person, though. Yeah. All right. That's why I'm here. <laughs> In D.C. on the show? Well, I guess both. That makes yeah, sense. Sure, both. Yeah, the extensive uh, election coverage, which we applauded for on Beefflow 360. Check out Flo's Twitter page. As we continue our um, quest to get Beefflow's Twitter certified at the uh, prestigious blue check mark. But um, moving from co- uh, pro football to college football, the Bulls have finally been released. The season is over. Yep. Championship games have been ended. Flo is wearing the Dr. Pepper shirt, which sponsors uh, sponsored a lot of the uh, conference championship games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this grand scheme of the BCS, you have some positive feelings and some uneasy feelings. What are they? 
BCS, I mean, I really don't have a problem with Northern Illinois getting in because, yeah, they had one loss to a BCS team in Iowa, BCS conference team. But don't, and everyone's hating on them, don't hate on them, hate on the system because the system says if you finish ahead of a conference automatic qualifier, BCS automatic auto qualifier, you finish ahead of them, and you finish the top 16 the final BCS standings, you're guaranteed a bid, and they finished ahead of both Wisconsin and Louisville, who won the Big East. And so, I've got no problem with it. I think he's a very good team. Uh, Jordan Lynch, a quarterback, is unbelievable. He's uh, certainly one of the best multi-purpose quarterbacks in the country, and I really think that um, they could absolutely give. I think it's going to be a very good game against Florida State. Do so you think it'll be close? I it, think it will. Even with the as I was saying last night, home field advantage, essentially. Yeah. And a team that uh, has had two pretty uneasy games, a chance for uh, Jimbo Fisher to uh, yeah. come out firing all cylinders. Yeah, and Northern Illinois is also playing, well, well, technically not an interim coach. They hired their new coach off their staff, so he's just, it's technically not an interim coach. Also, they pulled up Brian Kelly. Coach, right. Lee, coach leads for the bowl game. Yeah, but their coach left, and... Um, for NC State, Dave Doran. But um, I really think that uh, that uh, I'm not certain yet. I'm not going to make a prediction yet who's going to win that game because I'm still not sold yet. I think I may still end up going Florida State. But I do think it'll be closer than people think because Florida State is very inconsistent. They played a level of competition, which saw them very nearly losing to a god-awful Georgia Tech team. And you were upset that they did not make a bowl game or a BCS bowl game. Or a no, I'm upset that Georgia Tech made a bowl game. Oh. Their whole thing was that, A, the ACC doesn't have enough teams to fulfill its commitments, which is true. They were pushed into the ACC championship game because the two teams out of North Carolina and Miami are ineligible. And thus, the NCAA gave them a waiver, which I think is ridiculous. They really? Yeah, they gave them a waiver, so they're going to the Sun Bowl um, against USC. I think it's just absolutely ridiculous, and I know that if it was like a team from the MAC or the Conference U or Conference USA that was in the same predicament, that they would not give them a waiver because that's just how the NCAA works. And also, just think about this: Georgia Tech, six and seven, they lost to Middle Tennessee by twenty-one. Middle Tennessee also went eight and four, finished second in the Sun Belt, and Middle Tennessee is not going to a bowl game. So, well, Georgia Tech is so. Is Georgia Tech of the worst record among all the bowl teams then? Yeah, because they're the only team with a losing record. Yeah, I feel bad for uh, Arizona then. who will be in the uh, New Mexico Bowl against Nevada. What's wrong with Arizona? No, I'm saying if, if Georgia Tech has the worst record playing in a later day. Georgia Tech even that good? Nah, I, I really don't think so. I mean, the thing is nowadays... The guy from Navy still coach though? Uh, yeah, Paul Johnson's still there. I'm a big Paul Johnson fan. But uh, the thing is, um, that it is. Um, it's not as much like oh, a, it's always a better bowl later in the year because you look at let's say for example the Dallas Football Classic, which plays on or not the Dallas Football Classic, it's now the Heart of Heart Dallas, Dallas Bowl, bowl. Yes. and that's got like the eighth team from the Big Ten and the seventh team, yeah, from the uh, dump in Oki State twelve. So I mean, and that's on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, so. New Year's Day Bowl, they don't, like, when you have crap like that, 
They don't mean like they do because there are bowls, edible bowls on New Year's Day that are have higher selection. So the whole thing that it's a later date, it's not as much anyway. And that Arizona-Nevada game, that would be great because you got two great offenses, crappy defenses. We love that. We love and that on the show. Yeah, so that should be up. We've got a bunch of games like that, a lot of all-offense, no-defense games. Should be good. I'm liking a lot of these bowl, these teams in these bowl games, mostly a lot of Louisiana teams. Lafayette, uh, Louisiana Monroe, that's the team that upset Arkansas earlier in the year. Glad they got to uh, go bowling. I can one-up you, though, on the uh, Dallas Bowl. The GoDaddy.com Bowl, January 6th, the day before the national championship game. A stifling marquee matchup of Kent State and Arkansas State. Both teams are very good. That should be... They don't have the, uh, the what about what about the game the one the day before it in the VVVA Compass Bowl, very inconsistent Pittsburgh team playing in Birmingham. Oh jeez, they're playing in Birmingham, which nobody wants to go to Birmingham for years, but they're playing in Birmingham for the third straight year. Are they really? There there were players like, oh, where do you want to go this bowl season? Like, yeah, anywhere but Birmingham, because they've been going there. They went there the last two years, and and Ole Miss is actually not a bad team for six and six because they. They played a bunch of teams tight. They played uh, LSU tight. They played a couple other top teams. I played Florida tight as well. Yeah, I think they did as well. And they just beat, to get bowl eligible, a very good Mississippi State club. So, so all from aside from the national championship game, which I'm guessing is the one that's probably going to be the best bowl game. Or couldn't. We could definitely talk about that. Uh, out of the BCS teams, which one? Which games are you surprised to watch? What do you mean? Which um, matchup is intriguing? They have a lot of interesting teams with different personalities in these BCS games. I think by far the best BCS game that's not the championship game is uh, the Fiesta Bowl. Kansas State and Oregon, which we thought only a few weeks ago that would be a national championship game. And after Alabama lost. So I really think that'll be a very good game because you got Oregon, you got their wide open spread run the ball, everyone's fast as lightning. And you got Kansas State, you got Con Klein, they like to run the ball, him and uh, John Hubert, the running back. They got a very uh, crafty, aggressive defense. So I think that's going to be a very good game as well. The other games, I mean, like the Sugar Bowl, Louisville's not bad. They're not as bad as, I mean, they weren't obviously in the 16, top 16. I mean, they're not bad. I, I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. I think that team's going to be really good next year. But, uh, I mean, against Florida, who I was surprised that they beat the crap out of Florida State because I really thought that Florida was not that good. But um, who was the team they almost lost to? Florida? Louisiana Lafayette. Yes, who made a bowl. We mentioned Going to New Orleans Bowl. Uh, yeah, that game, that was really, that they probably were going to lose that game until Louisiana Lafayette did, like, everything they could late to lose. Much like you did last night in the football. Sure. We won't go about that. I mean, that could whatever. Be, that could be later in the uh, in the show. Uh, I'm excited for the Rose Bowl. Uh, this is a very uh, gridiron matchup of two good, solid running teams. I don't know who Stanford's running back. Uh, Stephon Taylor. He played with uh, Andrew Luck. He's a senior this year, isn't he? Yes. Good running back. Up. Very good. Uh, I want to. I think he's. Who did really well against UCLA twice? Yeah, he's going against Monty Ball, who a lot of people said should have been in the race of the Heisman, but not this year. Not this year, but uh, apparently he. Uh, I thought he was going to win it before the year. Played an amazing uh, two seasons so far when he got on the national scale. 
Uh, interesting that Wisconsin got to the Rose Bowl because when this season pans out, what are your thoughts on the Ohio State? Well, Ohio State, they might not have been in this position where that they're undefeated, but not going to any game because of the uh, sanctions that if last year when they went to, I want to say, the Alamo Bowl and were very crappy 6-6 six and six team where they decided to go to a bowl like last year you saw Miami. They took an in-house probation on a bowl play. They did it again this year. They did it again this year. And so I think Ohio State, I mean, people are saying, like, oh, if they had done it last year, then they they're automatically would have gone to it this year, which is not necessarily true. I'm not sold that that would have been the case. But if they did do it last year, I mean, it's something to think about because – I, I don't think this team's an elite team. They've struggled. I mean, the best one was definitely against Michigan, which actually did look very good. But they struggled against an awful Cal team. They're very – they struggled for a bunch of games with a, a good UCF team, but it's still UCF. And I really don't see – and the Big Ten is just atrocious. Like, the Big Ten champion, 7-5 and through winning. And they beat the crowd out of a team in Nebraska, which did even – Bothered to show up. They, they could, and they gave up early. That game was. They were a disappointment this year. Uh, uh-huh. Rex Burkhead, uh, Plano, yeah. Texas native. Uh, a lot of people say he was going to be in the race for the Heisman. They just didn't show up at like, the good majority of their games. Yeah, well, I mean, they were ten and two. They had a solid year, but uh, not as great as a lot of people thought they'd be. But right. Do you, could you see? Uh, rumors are saying that Ohio State, because they finished so well, could be. Uh, co-champions with whoever wins the national champion in the AP poll. Yeah, that'll only happen if Notre, if, uh, if Notre Dame loses. If Alabama wins, a lot of people think that they could at reasonably be the AP type, which has happened before. Auburn and uh, under Terry Bowen one year in the early 90s, they went 11-0, and but they were under sanctions for what happened under previous coach Pat Dye. So, um, but they were... I think almost crowned national champions, or it was split, or they were only team undefeated left. Some kind of, you know, nonsense like that. And, uh, yeah, so it's not entirely unprecedented. I don't, I'm not sold that that will happen, but it, it's definitely a possibility. It could very well happen. So this studio will probably gulf in flames if they become national champions. Because so never in a world would you see a team that is banned from competing in a bowl to uh, be the Associated Press's national champion. It's basically a slap in the face of the NCAA saying, oh, we can still cheat but still get accolades. Well, yeah, well, I mean, they did everything they could do this year, which is go 12-0. and 0. So, I mean, yeah, they, they're under sanction, but if they win all every game, you know. Kudos to them. Yeah. Why is Miami, why are they posing sanctions again? Uh, sad not because, in the bowl yeah, game. in 1993 I was talking about Auburn. But, um... The thing with uh, yeah, the thing with Miami, they're doing it again because they're thinking that now a little more stuff has come out like a few months ago about the whole Neff Shapiro thing. They really think they're going to get hard, so they decided, you know what, we're six and six this year. It is a very young team. It's a, a really young team. A lot of freshmen and sophomores dot that roster, so they were really thinking that ultimately. They, I mean, if they were, if they were like ten and eleven and one, ten and two, 
I don't think they do it. But ultimately, I think it's fair, as I say, ultimately a few times. I don't think it's fair to the players because they did have a chance. They were going to be going to the ACC championship game, and they did theoretically have a chance to beat Florida State and go to the Orange Bowl. I mean, I don't think they would have because they got killed by Florida State earlier in the year. But it's something I think that, you know, they there was that chance. So that's why I think it was a little unfair. But ultimately, uh, I do kind of see where they're going, but I just don't like it. It's sad. College football needs Miami. That's uh, the team of the 2000s, essentially. Uh, Larry Coker took over the ring yeah. Butch Davis. They don't even have fan support now. They, you can't even get, like, 20,000 people to go out to uh, Miami Gardens, you know. They don't even play at the Orange Bowl anymore. It blew that up, too. They blew that up. But uh, since college football's coming to an end, and you have not officially done your bowl predictions for the BCS games yet on the bowl. Not academy. yet. I've I've started doing some of the lesser tier games, a lot of them. But I. Oh, well, we will. We won't pick yet. We'll save it uh, later in the show if you're willing to uh, keep it up over the break for the uh, special guest call-in, Mr. Florence. Would you be down for that? What? Not not chiseling stone of uh, hosting over the break. I don't think so. Alright, but um, who has been your surprise and disappointment in college football this year? Surprise is definitely for me. I can think of a few teams, maybe uh, another team uh, that deserves good uh, praise is Oregon State, who went 9 to 3, and I really didn't think they'd be good at all this year. But I think you have. With I think they were high as, was it, 15th in the country when they played they, Oregon? No, they got into the top 10. And when they before they lost times down the stretch, but, uh, and they played Oregon very close in the, uh, the Civil War, but um, I think you got to go with Notre Dame, because I thought if any team was going to be really good for Notre Dame, it would be last year's team, which I predicted them to be in BCS. I thought this was going to be a good, but not a great Notre Dame team. I really underestimated how awesome their defense was, and I certainly didn't think they'd be undefeated in, in the position to win the national championship first time in a long time, so surprise has got to be Notre Dame. Disappointment has got to be USC. I picked them to go to the national championship game I against Oklahoma, which is a great prediction. But uh, USC, I really underestimated their depth problems because of uh, sanctions, the scholarship sanctions. They have a lot of depth problems, and I also thought their defense would be a lot better than it has been, which has been awful. And Matt Barkley has been very consistent as well. So USC has got to be disappointment this year. I'm going to agree with you with USC. Uh, a lot of people expected them to uh, run the tables and go to the national championship game coming off the sanctions. Uh, a lot of returning seniors. Who was the guy Tyler Tomei said? Marquise Lee, wide receiver? Yep. Big yeah, big Heisman-like numbers. Yep. Having a good wideout. Pretty solid offense. FED, but, you know, uh, Lane Kiffin put together a good – a good squat, but uh, four years Matt Barkley's been uh, USC never beat Stanford, which I think was the first sort of nail on the head uh, in USC's downfalls, and they lost to Stanford. I believe it was in uh, the Coliseum too. It was. So losing at home to Stanford sort of started the downhill. Then of course you know losing to, they lost to Oregon, didn't they? They lost to Washington. Washington. And then Oregon. Of course, yeah. Upset to Washington to only get trounced by Oregon. Well, it was a close game. It was like 60-50 to 50 or whatever. And then losing to uh, UCLA. Losing uh, Battle LA, which um surprising how UCLA did, has done the past two years. Definitely a disappointment. I thought uh, USC would be better. 
My surprise, of course, it, it, could, it could you could say Notre Dame. No one expects them to do well. Time and time again, we doubted they were going to win. Even our Notre Dame expert, Tyler Tomeo, said they wouldn't beat Oklahoma, and they did. Or USC. Even they came back and surprisingly beat Pitt in triple overtime or whatever. My surprise was Duke. Duke football. Yeah. Never uh, a two words you put in the same sentence unless yeah. the word bad is between them. But um, made it to the Belk, uh, I guess the B-E-L-K, the Belk Bowl. The Belk Bowl, yeah. And uh, did really well in the uh, ACC. Of course, you know, as you mentioned, Miami sanctioned. Uh, and Georgia Tech's awful, as you said, North Carolina sanctioned. But uh, praise to the uh, Duke Blue Devils put football back on the map. And, of course, we'll take a quick break. Before we come back, uh, Todd Mayo will be joining us. Not literally, but he uh, gets some investigative reporting. Uh, we give praise to the now former AU Athletic Director Keith Gill. We'll prep the uh, Bender Weekender triple head action with AU Athletics. And we will discuss Flo's wonderful pick of LeBron James winning Sports Illustrated's uh, Sportsman of the Year. Keep it locked as B Flo would say on Sports Zone. This is Fanatic Radio.
Hey, and welcome back to America's favorite premier sports music programming network, Fanatic Radio, brought to you by Oddwall and the Ready program of Procter & Gamble. Make sure to visit the Ready page on Facebook.com. Also visit Fanatic Radio on Facebook.com, as well as B4360.com, where we can get holiday b merchandise. I know I'm just ripping you from the Chris Aldab merchandise that is officially off the market, apparently. Yeah, it's not really sell for well. So I just had to pull it out on the shelves and mixed up. Paul A. Lopriato merch. Yes, made a guest cameo last night. I was him the uh, Always Immortal Zach Drescher to Sports Zone. It was great. How would you convince him to come back? It wasn't me. It was all Aaron Bell. So she contacted them and asked them if they wanted to come in. I'm like, you pull it off, go for it. How did it go last night? It went pretty segment? well. Was it good to have him back? It was good to have him back. I mean, we still had some we had some people that had no idea what they were doing. And oh, one, one segment, I was trying to tell people, because in the hockey segment, we reversed. We had the host in the far left, and, and everyone was to the right of him, except for normally. And the kid who was doing the camera, I won't mention his name, would not understand what I was telling him, that you're the one that focuses on the host, who was Aaron. And I guess there are people in the back that were confusing him as well. I mean, the kid's a moron. And I can take a wild guess who it is. It's not who you think it is. Oh. It's the other one. The one that lectured you about the, the Oh the, yeah. Uh, it taught me uh, geography yeah, in Florida. Yeah, the people in the back I have no idea what they were doing. In theory, if thinking about it, if that happened again I would have gotten even more angry because I'm like I told I told you four times what to do. Don't the fifth time I told him what to do, he's like, Wait, I'm supposed to do them like sure. Alright, so <laughs> Uh, I'm surprised it wasn't Jaron Berman, uh, who yeah. the Knicks won last night, beat the Heat. Yeah, they beat him by 20, too. Without Carmelo, apparently. Yeah, it's, you know, this team's been pretty good thus far. I'm, you know, I didn't think they'd be as good as they are right now, the best team in the East. still think it's early, and I think anyone that actually thinks they're the best team in the East is insane. But uh, cause well, they're not the best team in the East. Yeah. Let's, I thought Miami was. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah, who is the best in the East is uh, American's own Keith Gill, who uh, at his final day, I believe it was on Tuesday, mm. very sad he left, but luckily Artel Tamea caught up with him. This is uh, back in the day when he was still athletic director at American to uh, discuss his legacy and time with the Eagles as he joins us for our weekly conversation. College sports has been, you know, teams changing conferences. We have two teams coming in, Loyal and Boston. Um, how do you think that will affect the Patriot League? Do you think it's a good move expanding to 10 teams? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a great move for the Patriot League expanding to 10 teams. I, I think um, there's a lot of strength in 10, and that's one of the reasons from a league standpoint we um, expanded. And also two quality teams, uh, two quality schools, two quality institutions, and Boston University and Loyola, so they can only strengthen the league. I think from our standpoint it's great because it gets us into the Boston market and um, although there's some distance there, the travel to Boston isn't that bad. And then we had another regional rival um, with Loyola just being right in Baltimore. So uh, having Loyola, Navy, and us right there in a cluster makes for some close away games for our fans and our supporters and our students to get to. So I'm really excited. I think they're two quality institutions. I think being at 10 is the right number for the league. And, um, and I think the addition of Boston University and Loyola just makes the Patriot League stronger. Hey, you mentioned about Loyola, you know, being a close rival. Do you think that they will overtake Holy Cross as our main rival, or do you think it will be Holy Cross um, for now and possibly Loyola in the future? You know, I, I think um, you know, I, I think you can have more than one rival, you know, and I think that the Holy Cross rival will be 
a kind of a different rivalry, you know, in terms of more of a history and tradition and, and those kind of things. Where I think Loyola is more of a rivalry because of proximity. You know, it allows us, um, it allows our fans to travel easier. So I don't, I, you know, I don't see our um, our passion for beating Holy Cross diminishing at all. Um, I just think that we have another opportunity to, to have a nice um, kind of regional healthy rivalry with Loyola um, since they're just up the road an hour. Um, AU joined the Patriot in the summer of 2001, so they wrapped up 10 years. Um, it seems to have been really a strong fit between AU and the Patriot, both academically and athletically. Um, why do you think this transition has been so smoothly for AU? You know, I, I think the league and um, Amer- the values of the Patriot League are the values of American University, and the values of American University are the values of the Patriot League. Um, focus on really competitive athletics and winning championships, plus um, the academic component um, makes it such a good fit for the league. So I, I think it was a natural move for AU. I think we really blended in the league well. Our student-athletes are thriving. Um, our GPA last year was a 3.42 uh, from a student-athlete standpoint. And we're still winning championships, you know, field hockey, volleyball. You know, our basketballs are still doing well. So um, competitively and academically, it's been, it's been a great move. So you've been here since 2007. What are some of your, your favorite moments uh, as athletic director that you've seen um, from our teams? Yeah. You know, I mean, one of my favorite moments was actually in my first year when, um, you know, our cross-country team won the Patriot League Championship by one point, our men's cross-country team. And I can remember being um, with Matt, with Coach Sitchwitz, um before the um, Patriot League um, cross-country championships and having him explain to me what needs to happen for us to win. So he was essentially like, I need these two guys to go out and do this. I need this guy to mark this guy. I need this guy. You know, he explained it all to me. And that's exactly what happened and we won by one point. It was really a really cool event. I mean, I, I think our first NCAA men's basketball tournament um, appearance was awesome and beating, you know, Colgate, you know, really beating Holy Cross in the first round um, to go was a huge moment. I mean, um, it's my first year here, and I could feel the tension in the arena. I mean, it was just so tense. Um, but winning that game and then winning, subsequently winning the next two um, league tournament games to go to the NCAA tournament that first year was awesome. I think the back-to-back was really exciting, and the first half of Villanova was exciting. Um, you know, our field hockey championship um, that we won in 2008, I thought was was really exciting and going to the NCAA tournament. And, um, and volleyball almost beat UCLA um, at Texas when we were in the tournament. I mean, some of those, I mean, there's really been a lot of great kind of um, athletic moments um, in the five years I've been here. I've been really fortunate to witness some really good things, but those are some of the ones that kind of jump out at me. So you seem to have a lot. And one of the big teams that actually we're, play, we're playing tonight, um, AU Army Volleyball. And now AU, our volleyball team, has won 11 in the last 12. Um, field hockey pretty much has built a dynasty as well. What do you think has been the key to them, you know, building such strong dynasties within the conference? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it all starts with leadership. So we've got great coaches in those sports. Both have been here a long time. They're established. And just wonderful, wonderful kind of educators, mentors, and coaches for our students. And what they've done is they've put together just a quality group of individuals. I mean, I think the one thing that's really striking about being the athletic director here at American University is the quality of the students. They're just great people. They're smart. Um, I love being around them, and they create really good teams. And so um, so they start with good leadership, really good students who are conscientious.
fight through adversity. You know, they, they kind of um, have the personality of their coaches. And um, and, and so it's been really, it, it, those programs have just been remarkable in terms of their success and consistency. Yeah, definitely. Maybe kind of like a more of a big conference question, but I don't know if it necessarily applies to the Patriot League. With all the movements within college athletics, do you think the Patriot League is kind of set now with those 10 teams? Do you think there will be um, an expansion to 12 in the future, or do you think that's kind of more a big conference type thing? Yeah, you know, I, I for me personally, I, I think 10 is a good number for a, a league like the Patriot League. Um, you know, a lot of times when schools are expanding to 12 so they can have a football championship, um, and, you know, that's not really, you know, most of the schools that are, are fully members, um, not most, but you don't all play football, you know, probably half of them football in the league now. So um, I, I think 10, 10 is the number that, that, that I think is best at at this point. Um, um, but you just never know. I mean, I, I think that, you know, if uh, good quality schools out there and we think that can enhance the league, um, we make another move. You know, I, I think we'd have to consider that. But I, I think right now, though, um, certainly from what I'm hearing and what I'm feeling, you know, we feel really comfortable at 10 and um, we're really happy with and I, I suspect it will be a 10, you know, going forward, certainly for the next decade. And from an athletic director's point of view, um, I guess more you, more so connected to the athletes, what do you think the difference is between um, an athletic director at a big school as opposed to a small school at American? What are some of you know the differences? Yeah, you know, some of the differences are, um, you know, I do think you have a chance to connect with all the people a little differently than you do with some of the bigger schools. You know, when I, I came here from the University of Oklahoma, and one of the sports I oversaw was um, men's basketball. Well, you know, it was two miles away from where my office was. So I could get up and go down there. Here at American, all the coaches are essentially within a floor, maybe two floors. Actually, one floor. Well, swimming's two. Yeah. So they're within two floors of my office. And so it's, it's easy. So I see them all the time. I develop those relationships. It's the same with the students. You know, the students are always coming through the building. Acting support is only 100 feet yeah. away. You know, they're all downstairs in the locker room, so I get to see them. So I feel like I form more deeper and uh, a lot wider uh, kind of relationships than, you know, certainly I did when I was in Oklahoma and then my boss could have been in Oklahoma just because of the scale and, yeah. and the press. And, um, and I think that means something. You know, it's nice. I just walked into volleyball, you know, and I saw Grace and Stephanie, you know, two of our field hockey players work in the ticket booth. And so I could say, oh, Grace and Stephanie, and I knew they were going to the game tomorrow and those kind of things. You know, you're not necessarily afforded that at, you know, some of the larger places, and not because you don't want to. It's just the scale doesn't make it possible. So I think um, it really, the size um, really gives us a nice camaraderie, gives us a nice esprit de corps and, and, a, and a wonderful work environment. And I guess the last question would be, it's been a very successful 10 years, very successful five years for you. Um, heading into the future, what are some things um, you'd like to accomplish here at American? What are some things you see in the future for another good 10 years? Yeah, you know, right now we're kind of working on our facilities. So um, hopefully in the summer we'll have a big kind of locker room renovation. Um, I, I feel like if we get our locker rooms renovated, that'll be the last part of kind of our existing facilities that we'll need to upgrade. Um, we hope to build, you know, two new um, buildings. So one on the back of Bender that'll be um, an office building, has a weight room, a training room, and then a multi-purpose gym that will um, be, you know, another practice area for our sports and allow us, since Bender is used so much by so many different things, um, allow us not to be displaced so much when we um, host um, events on campus. So that is former AU Athletic Director Keith Gill. We wish him the best of luck as he becomes AD of 
University of Richmond. A couple of guys I graduated high school with are at Richmond. Definitely have to send them condolences to look out for the big man on campus, Keith Gow. I had no idea he worked at Oklahoma for coming to AU. Yeah, I asked, I think I asked Tyler uh, to interview him or somebody else where he came from because I'm interested. And, uh, but yeah, you sent as, uh, I just took a look, he's been uh, very successful during his time here, uh, here at, uh, AU, which is not a school that, you know, it's not easy to have a, a big athletics program because, you know, it's very uh, academically forward school and there's really no fan base at all. Here? Well, yeah. Of course like, not. Not at all. And someone was telling me, oh, if we had a football team, all of a sudden, like, oh, we'd have so much more interest in athletics. And I'm like... Not necessarily. I, yeah, I'm not certain because I, I, I don't even know if we'd have a fan base to go to football games. But, because, uh, you know, people that come to schools like this, or most schools in the Patriot League, well, except for maybe Boston now, with Boston coming in because they were always, they have a big hockey program. But um, for most of the schools in the Patriot League, actually, not this But, anyways, they're very, they're, af- uh, they're academics first. So. But ultimately, he's done a great job, and I wish him the best. Richmond's getting a good guy. I was like the man. Best of luck. And so uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll get interim athletic director David Taylor. Apparently he's had some history of, of athletics as well. Played uh, soccer at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. There you go. In the backyard of uh, Silas Hill. Yeah, the one and all. That indeed. But uh, speaking of conference moves, your thoughts on Maryland and Rutgers? They officially confirmed they are going to the yep, Big Ten. They already announced. And is this good for college sports that Maryland is doing this? No, it's not. Because you're not. Neither programs are worth going to the Big Ten, which already has a problem right now with the football team because the football field's been awful. Now you're getting two, one in Maryland who doesn't really have a huge history. It's been pretty crappy the last couple of years, and like I mentioned, doesn't have a huge history. I mean, and they're a basketball school, and Dustin made a huge, they were a great fit in the ACC. Uh, Rutgers, say for the last 10 years, it's got no history in football. And basketball programming, they're on the rise, but... It's been mediocre, Rutgers basketball. And in football, the only good team they've had was the one with Ray Rice. Well, they had a good team this year. Like, they had solid teams. They had solid teams like, for most of Greg Shiano Center. They did a really good job at Rutgers. But um, it's the only reason why they're being invited is strictly because of the markets they reside in, and just to get more TV dollars. And they're gonna both cash strap programs. They've got a bailout for the Big Ten. Now they get a, excuse me, a lot more money now, TV deals and all that than they did in the respective conferences. So it really, it really appears that um, it's all money driven. So I don't like it at all. And then you have uh, Louisville going to the ACC. Is that a good move for the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference replacing the uh, Traders of Maryland? That is, I think, a great move because we all know Louisville's got an excellent basketball program, which was resurrected by Rick Pitino on the last year's Denny Crump. They really fell off. And, and now the football program, which is crazy because the athletics department, like I said, in the 90s was a mess. Louisville and so they brought in 
Petrino, and now they've won a bunch of games. They're very good. They're going to a BCS game again, and they went last time with a few years ago under Bobby Petrino. So their athletics program is very good, and they're bringing them in for athletics. So that's something instead of, you know, TV dollars and all that jazz. And everyone thought it was going to be UConn that would be going to the AC. Like, people thought it was a lock, but then Louisville they got the stronger football program. they got a very good basketball program. And UConn's got questions about their basketball program right now with uh, interim, essentially an interim coach, in, uh, Kevin Ollie. So. Tell me what AU's doing with the whole athletic, bringing out Boston in for athletics. Yeah, cool. And uh, defending lacrosse champions, Loyola, Maryland. Yeah, there you go. Interesting fit. Uh, but uh, as we sort of get to the uh, dovetail end of the show, uh, a big thing that we missed in the sports zone, we will not miss on this show, is Kobe Bryant. Uh, Eclipsed the 30,000 point mark. Here's his thoughts after the win when he achieved it against New Orleans. You know, it's a a huge accomplishment. You know, it it feels good. I mean, uh, I've been very fortunate to not have, you know, really any serious injuries. There's been a lot of sacrifice on my part, my family's part, a lot of time away. And, uh, it means a lot. I'm just very thankful to be able to, you know, I've been uh, traded to such an incredible organization, incredible ownership, incredible GMs, and I'm just very thankful. And so, Flo, of course, an uh, interesting tidbit. Four of the five guys on that list have all been Los Angeles Lakers, the only exception being uh, his heiress, Michael Jordan. But you have Kobe Bryant. 17 years in the league, averaging about 26 points in his for uh, his lifetime. Yeah. Are you surprised that he became the fastest player to reach uh, 30K? You know, I'm really not because there were so many years after Shaq left where he was, like, the only guy on the team. That was when he scored 81 points in that game. And he was really his scoring game, especially once he figured out how to, you know, work on his, which is post-game. Once he... Once he figured it all out himself that he can win titles without Shaq, he's really just been a revelation. And thus, I'm really not surprised that he's been playing for. It's crazy to think he's been in the league for 17 years, but he came in at a high school, and a lot of people weren't certain what he would be out of high school. And that Lakers team, if he didn't pan out, which uh, they basically had Shaq and nobody, so. But ultimately, I'm not. I'm not that surprised. I think. I think he's had a hell of a career. Well, we told our good friend Dan Patrick on the Dan Patrick Show. Yes. That his uh, very first game, very first time he scored in the NBA was a summer league game against the Dallas Mavericks in Boise, Idaho. He said one of the big players to get him sort of adapted and accustomed to the NBA lifestyle and style of play is Eddie Jones, avid listener of the show. Yes, he is. But uh, could you? How far up the uh, list? Do you see Kobe Bryant reaching? Could he reach Michael Jordan, getting 2,000 more points? Uh, I I think it could happen. He has been healthy of late. Uh, He's had his uh, German engineering. Yeah, yeah that is He's very a $6 true. million dollar man. Absolutely. And I think getting 2,000 points in terms of... I think I very well think he can do it. He is... Uh, He's only... In, Theory, he's only 34. So he plays I, like he's 20 sometimes. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, so I really think that... Uh, I really think that he could potentially get there. He'll play as long as he'll play. He'll be on the Lakers until the end of time. And it could very well happen. Probably go down as one of the 
I would say that's weird. Do you say he's one of the best best players of all time or best Laker of all time? I think he's out there. Best Laker of all time, I still go with Magic, Magic Johnson. Not Will Chamberlain. No, not Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. Not Will still. Yeah, Will Chamberlain played there for like what, uh, eight, ten, not ten, not eight to ten years. He only won a couple championships. Or Jerry West. Every other time with, uh, yeah, with Jerry West, with uh, to the Celtics and Bill Russell. I think he's probably because even when uh, Bill Simmons wrote his book, uh, uh, book of basketball, he wrote the uh, paperback edition. He had Kobe Bryant. Uh, I want to say seven. He had him in the top ten. Is seven. Seven or nine, maybe eight. It's but it's in the top ten. He's definitely up there. I mean, he's definitely had. You know, he's certainly not my favorite player of all time. Just shoot very much, even though he is the best player on Steam. Actually, I don't know about that anymore. Yeah, that's actually not true anymore. But um, really, you think Dwight Howard's better? Yeah, I do think. So. In terms of youth, yeah. Even though he can't make free throws, though. That's very true. But Shaq could make. Beeflo has a better free throw percentage than Dwight that, Howard. That's actually 100% true. But uh, we'll follow you into the show with a praise to Beeflo of Kobe's teammate on the Olympic team as LeBron James announced this week that he was named Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year. Uh, it's very humbling. Um, you know, it was a long journey from, like you said, July of, of 2010, and uh, it was very unexpected uh, when my people told me that um, they were giving me this uh, unbelievable award. Are you a different person, or are you just perceived differently than you were? I mean, I've changed some things. I've changed some ways. I've, uh, I've done things. I've just grown. I mean, this years, the time. I mean, you continue to grow. Um, I've both changed um, a little bit here off the floor and off the floor. And, um, you know, it's just allowed me to get to a point back in my career where um, I'm enjoying what I love to do, and that's uh, playing the game of basketball. I can take full credit with the, uh, the city of Dallas helping LeBron get to back where he was. After the uh, kick in the mouth, yeah. my Mavs beat him in the NBA Finals. Literally. Yes. Uh, went to uh, Kim Olajuwon over the summer. Worked on his game, proposed to his lifelong girlfriend, made a Samsung commercial, yeah. ate Fruit Loops from his son. Which is uh, <laughs> awesome. That, comer- that commercial, <laughs> I love that commercial. It's one of my favorite out there. I just think it's great. Went to the barbershop, got, uh, yeah. got his fresh fade. I don't came- know why he needs a haircut. That's exactly. what a lot of people know. Like He doesn't need a haircut. He's barely got any hair. Ends up winning MVP, finals MVP, title, and uh, another gold medal with yeah. Coach K. You called it last week saying he would win it. An easy, it seemed like when you look at the numbers statistically, an easy choice for Sports Illustrated. Yeah, and uh, as you mentioned last night, not a huge amount of contenders. There were a bunch of guys. Yeah, because you have the, he's competing basically with him in the Olympics, which is yeah on the same playing field because he was in the Olympics. Yeah, and it was it would have been him or like um, maybe the uh, the women's uh, gymnastics team, which was great. Gabby Douglas. The Fabulous Five. Five they did all absolutely. Right. Yeah, they did great. Um, but I really have no problem with it. I mean, he's had all the adversary. He finally won his championship. He's the best basketball player in the world. He, uh, and he won it. He won it. This wasn't like the first year where it's like, eh, is this the Wade's team? Is it? No, it's the Heat are now LeBron James. They're his team. So I really, and like I said, he's somebody and that I really thought that, you know, it was very good. 
very good uh, or a good decision because I mean I hated LeBron and James after the uh, the whole bailing on Cleveland thing because so does Chris Duff. Yeah, well that's you know we just angry in general, but similar the thing, thing with LeBron is that. If he hadn't done that, if he didn't do the whole decision thing, if he if it was just announced regularly that he was gonna go, I don't think the vitriol uh, the vitriol would be as much, you know, to say it on national TV. Because I remember people saying he's not, and I believed he was gonna stay with Cleveland. And people believe he's not gonna go on TV and announce that he's not, you know, announce he's leaving Cleveland. That would just be such a, you know, jerk move. I could say a different word, but I choose not to. You're PG on the show. I'm very PG. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that was pretty lame, how he left Cleveland and all that, and said he's going to win seven titles. And he became the villain. And then he's, I think last year he learned to possibly embrace it. Because he's always a guy that wanted to be loved. He's he's very charismatic. He really is a likable guy. He's a funny guy, yeah. He's funny. Always on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Yeah. Host of the ESPYs. Yeah. The ESPYs are awful. But he's got a great personality. He really is a likable guy. I think people are starting to really like him again. But then, ultimately, you have to realize that team around him in Cleveland had nobody. Those teams were awful. Like the best guy for was like... I mean, Eric Snow. Was, Eric Snow was the second best guy in that team that went to the finals and got smoked. So... I believe they had Ben Wallace for a time, too. They had Ben yeah, they Wallace, were, Shaq, yep. Jameson, Mo Williams, Bergeau. And go on and on. But, of course, what would we... And we got the funk. Oh, well, uh, glory be, the funk's on me, Bobby. Keep that funk alive. Keep that funk alive. Mm. Well, it's 1975, and we'll just be keeping the funk alive. Yes, once again, fans, it is time for our quickly acclaimed segment, Tweets from Flow. Basically, go to twitter.com slash bflow360. Check out the world of the notorious Ben Florence. Uh, immediately, the song is oh so perfect with his ever-changing background, which is the contest we are currently holding until uh, New Year's Day when we pop champagne. Apple cider, that is. For uh, what his uh, backgrounds have been. Interesting background choice this week. Or yeah. I guess for this, ser- this uh, little series of events. Well, it's not really a series. It's just whenever I want to change it <laughs> and mix it up. Um, you went throwback this time. Even further back than Smash Mouth. Yeah, because as you can tell, it's a screenshot of NBA Street Volume 2. Is that Dr. J? That is, Do- I believe that's Dr. J in a classic New York Nets jersey. Because uh, my, my roommate was, he was listening to music, and one of the songs was from the great soundtrack of NBA Street Volume 2. And we were reminiscing about how awesome that game was. I was reminiscing with my a friend at home, and I'm like, we you, we got to play that again, because that game is amazing. I love playing Avid for the GameCube. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm like, I mean, yeah. I gotta all well, get beginning NBA, the new NBA, uh, 2K13. But Are you getting Jay Z's 2K2? I will. I've been pushing it off uh, later and later until December when I have some more money and stuff. And but mostly because I'd wait to just to do it at home so when I can play it whenever I, I want. But um, yeah. So, but yeah, NBA Street Volume Two, one of my favorite, personal favorite games. Of all time. Was that on your Christmas wish list? Uh, what? This game. It was not. It was a game I... Or do, are you going to invest in it? Uh, I I played it once. 
Well, I remember I I must have played it somewhere because then I found out that this game and I'm like this game's awesome. So I I think my uh, a friend of mine had it. One of my friends must have had it. I don't remember who. Started playing like this game's awesome, so I got it for myself. I'm like this game's great, and it is. It's so much fun. All right. Um, one of the interesting tweets is you've been following the college football coaching carousel. Uh, yep. Apparently, Tennessee announced uh, a coach today. Jones. Good choice for them. I like it. Uh, their their coaching search has been a disaster. That's uh, right. They failed to get Gruden, which I thought they were. Gonna I get thought it. I really thought Gruden was going to go. That makes Gruden a jerk then. Because yeah. I did not want him on one of that football. He ruins it. Yeah, well, he sucks anyway. He's really. I mean, like I think he's funny. You know, and I really think he does the good stuff. Like when he's on the draft, when he's in studio or the quarterback camp, I think that's all. But like in the games, he's like, yeah, hey, well, this guy's great. I, you know, let me tell you something, Mike. I love this guy. Of course, Mike Tirico doesn't help either. I don't mind Mike Tirico. He's a clown. I ain't got no problem with him. But, um, yeah, I think Butch Jones is a solid hire. I mean, he was like the fourth or fifth guy on their list. And But I think he's a very good coach. He's won everywhere he's gone, so I think they'll have no problem with him. All right, interesting one is uh, who you have winning the Heisman Trophy this Saturday? I think it will be Johnny Manziel winning it. Johnny Football, first freshman ever. Yep. Even after Monte Teo uh, claimed a two-player of the year award this year. Yeah, for defensive player of the year. Yeah. Which he was probably going to win anyways. The thing is, uh, Manziel, he's got the statement game against Alabama. He's been brilliant. He's the huge reason why him and Kevin Sumlin as well, head coach. That's why Texas A&M. A lot of people think they, didn't think they'd be this good. Their first year in the SEC, they've really been brilliant. And, yeah, I mean, Manny Teo, no question about it, has had a great year. But it's very tough to show, like, how one player, how important he is on defense. And there are a lot of people like, is he really that much better than, say, Jarvis Jones in Georgia, who's also on He's a stud. Yeah, he's probably the top player in the draft. So, I mean, I lo- and it's not me to hate. I-, I love Manny Teo, but I really think that Manziel will be an ex-Big 12-er, which make it back-to-back, as RG3 won it last year. Uh, and a final uh, tweet, uh, signing a study group's comma garbage eight hours ago. A study group, really, at American University? Yeah, we had a little study group stuff in uh, my media class this morning. But um, ultimately, we just were not, we didn't do anything. We were just kind of talking, a little chit-chat about stuff that not at all, and then we ended up just leaving early. So How many finals do you have? I have only three, because I had two classes uh, that ended, one yesterday and one today. And I got one on Monday, my statistics final. And I've got two on Tuesday, and I believe on Wednesday. All right, and the final thing before we close out the show is, you told me a very funny story that happened to you over Thanksgiving. Or not Thanksgiving, I guess after Thanksgiving. You saw the pack play, the G-Men. Yeah. It's the way you can tell us, the funny story that you told me, you tell the viewers how you were able to make it from here to the Meadowlands and back, I believe, in less than a day and a half. It's really, it's really, I mean, uh, I went to the game, came back, got home, had to pick classes, so I did that. That's a feat in itself. Apparently, Eagle Secure went down for like two days. Yeah, that's what I Freshmen were riding on the quad. Yeah, well, Eagle Secure is awful anyways. Like, I've noticed, like, every time now, like, multiple times a day, I have to reinstall it. It's just such a pain. Awful. I, so you're able to go up to the Meadowlands. See, so yeah, I mean, I see. I'm sorry, your pack got blown out. Yeah, but it happens. Good game, NFL game. Always nice seeing the new MetLife Stadium. So 
to sign up to classes to then take the train back, and apparently you made it in time for your class. Yeah. The 55 class? Oh, no. Oh. That would that would have been... There's no way three-hour train, I have to leave like... Why? That never would have happened. Yeah, 11.45. That'd be fun. I've always wanted to do that. But, um... Oh, one final thing. That's right. Yeah, Jamie Erdahl. I'm coming. I'm coming up to Boston to play you one on one. I'm tired of this. Tyler Smith told me she was a former uh, St. Olaf D2 college basketball player, and now a sideline reporter for the Boston Celtics for NESN. Uh, Who's this again? Person who actually worked on Sports Zone, but showed no love for the little guy. Oh, uh, Jamie Erdahl. Took it for granted. Uh, I don't think she's doing. She doing Celtics? Apparently she is. Well, I know she does like a bunch of stuff for NES for Nesson, but I don't. I didn't think she was actually doing Celtics. Dust up in Boston, yes. Yeah, Twitter pictures her inside the uh, Boston Gardens. But one of the things on her Twitter it says, "I uh, want to play me one on one," and I am taking that challenge. The zero letterman in high school and a coach of AU club basketball yeah. knows the X's and O's and uh-huh. it's bulking up for it like Dwight Howard was in his T-Mobile commercial, as they called him Slim, as his phone said. I will embrace the challenge and find a way to get to Boston to take this on. Do it. We need a place. I, I mean, wager's a little too tough on that. Uh, no. <laughs> no wager. Just bragging rights? Yeah. Good. Radio host versus sideline reporter. Jamie Riddell, I'm coming for you. Not figuratively, but uh, my mom would give me the money to go to Boston. Yeah, I got some friends. So of course, that's, that is all the time we have uh, for today. Once again, go to Fanatic Radio's uh, Facebook page, bflub360.com. Check out the podcast on iTunes. Keith Gill, eight former AU athletic director, the guest on today's show, as well as Kobe dropping 30,000 points. More than Flo and I combined, but not as much as our viewership on this show. Once again, like us on Facebook, follow Flo on Twitter. It's a question to get them certified. Tweets hilarious things, but for Oddwall, Ready program of Proctor Gamble from the notorious Ben Florence. I'm Michael Gardner. Thanks so long. We will see you next time.